From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council and your Friday host for Washington Watch. Thank you so much for making us part of your day today. We've got a lot coming your way on this program. First of all, we have some breaking news regarding the U.S. has now uh, put forth 85 targets against the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. This comes six days after we had three service members killed and many others injured. It is, like I said, breaking news. We're going to be monitoring this and we'll be bringing you updated information on this momentarily. But in addition to that breaking news, President Biden signed an executive order yesterday imposing sanctions on Israeli citizens who were accused of violence in the West Bank. Earlier today, the president issued a new executive order establishing U.S. authority to impose financial sanctions against foreign persons engaged in actions that threaten the peace, security, or stability of the West Bank. Under the authority granted by that order, the State Department is today imposing financial sanctions on four Israeli nationals for their destabilizing acts in the West Bank. Well, that was State Department spokesman Matthew Miller yesterday during a press, uh, press briefing. And the executive order came hours, interestingly, before the president made a campaign stop in Michigan. And, of course, many are suggesting that this was merely a slap in the face toward Israel and is but nothing other than an election year maneuver to appease a purple state constituent group. Well, Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett, who is a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, will join us to discuss that as well as bring us the latest on the breaking news that I brought your way moments ago. And speaking of election ploys, President Biden has taken aim at grocery stores and American businesses, literally blaming them for how Americans feel about the economy. For all we've done to bring prices down, there are still too many corporations in America ripping people off. Price gouging, junk fees, greedflation, shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bars? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers. Wow. Well, of course, that was President Biden himself this past week speaking at a political dinner event. Apparently, the Biden administration recognizes that it's not going to be able to convince dissatisfied Americans that all is well with the economy. But whose fault is it, really? Well, discussing this year's Bidenomics as well as the financial side of Red State's response to the Biden border crisis will be economist Stephen Moore, and he'll be with me here in just a moment. And the left has a new fad to push for Election Day. You may have heard of it. It's called ranked choice voting. Well, as we consider uh, here on Washington Watch, continuing our look into election integrity, Chad Ennis from the Honest Elections Project will be joining me to explain how ranked choice voting works and why literally it represents a looming disaster so far as election integrity is concerned. And we continue to see throughout the country an erosion of parental rights, especially surrounding the issue of gender confusion. I mean, we have seen schools deceive parents about their children's social transitions uh, and even Child Protective Service officials removing children from their families. Well, the Child and Parental Rights Campaign recently released a powerful resource for parents and churches to assist them in fully understanding how to respond effectively to the transgender issue that is attacking our families, our churches, and biblical truth as a whole. I'll be joined, and I'm looking forward to this, by president of that organization, Bernadette Broyles to talk about the resource and why it is so needed. So a lot to cover, a lot coming your way. You don't want to miss any of it, but if in case you do, you can check out previous programs and catch all of this program at TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there, including notes on today's program and uh, obviously archive uh, of previous programs as well. So check it out, TonyPerkins.com. 
and you can also go to frc.org. All right, let's jump into today's program. A growing list of Republican governors continue to support Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his ongoing standoff with the Biden administration for the invasion, literally, that's taking place on the southern border. This support includes states that are now sending their own National Guard members to assist Texas amid the escalating tensions between Texas and the government. Well, while Texas alone, now catch this, Texas alone spends more than $2 billion annually on border enforcement. And now, in addition to that, we have governors from many other red states that are showing their support for border security and showing that it's worth their investment, both of money and personnel as well. So what does all of this tell us about the contrast economic policies are making between red states and blue states? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Stephen Moore. He's a distinguished fellow uh, in economics at the Heritage Foundation and the senior economist at Freedom Works, certainly not a stranger to any of us. Stephen, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much. Well, listen, let's just jump into this with Texas. I mean, here, here Texas has, uh, they have taken on a significant financial burden, uh, quite frankly, to do the work that the Biden administration refuses to do at the southern border. But now, in addition to that, we've got many red state governors that are chipping in as well with manpower and financial resources. But blue states, on the other hand, they've got their hands out. Here they are. Uh, claiming themselves to be sanctuary cities, but now they're crying for a bailout and financial help. So uh, just real quickly, what does all this tell us about red states, uh, how they're handling and doing as far as the economy versus blue states? Well, first, let's start with the big picture. Uh, I would argue that, um, you know, look, immigration policy is a federal policy. It's in the Constitution. Um, and this is what I would argue, I think you might agree with me, that it is it is the most important duty of our president to keep our border secure, for goodness sakes. I mean, he is the commander in chief and we do have an invasion right now. And I'm very pro-immigration. I, I think immigration is great for our country, but you have to have a legal system. You can't have terrorists and uh, criminals and uh, you know people who are drug runners coming to our country who don't even know who they are. And so this has really created... A, a real conundrum for these Republican governors, especially the governors on the border, uh, as you see right now in Texas. And what the governor is trying to do there, frankly, is just to say, hey, Mr. President, you're not doing your job. Your job is to keep the border secure. You're not doing it. Now he wants to do what he can with his, his with his uh, resources to do the job that Joe Biden is not doing. And by the way, Joe Biden is making no efforts to do to take on uh, the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of these illegal immigrants coming in. And if I sound frustrated and angry, I am. And people in Texas are angry and people in Arizona are angry. People in California are angry that we have a president who is um, not doing his his biggest responsibility as president. Yeah, it's uh, there are people all across this country who are angry. You're you're exactly right, and it's simply because, as you say, the president is not doing his job. We're, I mean, how can you not defend our border and allow millions of people into this country that we have no idea who they are? Uh, yesterday on this program, Oklahoma Governor uh, Kevin Stitt was on the program, and he talked about uh, limited government, which of course is uh, by and large what Republicans want as opposed to the Democrats who want a bigger government, supposedly to help people. But just from your perspective, uh, what, what's really more beneficial for the people between these two approaches? Yeah. Well, I think this leads, you know, I should answer your first question first, because it's it, it answers your second question. You know, what's happening in America today is you've got red states with low taxes, less regulation, right-to-work states uh, that are doing extraordinarily well. You know, they're they're actually booming. Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Utah, Idaho, um, so many of these states, South Carolina, the southern states are doing amazing. Did you know, by the way, the South now is the number one leading region in, in the economy? It used to be the Northeast for 100 years, but the Northeast is losing 
It's people, it's businesses, it's capital, and they're going to states like Florida and Texas and Arizona and so on because the taxes are lower. There's a, a more pro-business atmosphere. They follow free market policies. That's what American businesses want. That's what workers want. And so then the question becomes, why don't we do on the national level what works in the states? Why don't we cut our taxes, reduce our regulations? Why don't we get our budget under control? For God's sakes, we're running a $1.5 trillion debt, it's just, which is why, you know, when you were talking earlier about that absurd statement by Joe Biden that the reason we have this inflation is because of businesses. No, it isn't. It's because we got a president who's spending and printing and borrowing a trillion and a half dollars a year. It's as, as obvious as it is that the, you know, that the sun is going to rise in the east and set in the west. When you have that kind of out-of-control spending, yes, you know what? You're going to get inflation. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. You know, uh, clearly, clearly, the Biden administration is failing on the southern border in every way that you can look at. And, of course, that has become the number one issue in this election cycle. Yes. But right after that, we see can I what just you just mentioned. One, can I interrupt yeah, your sure. question? Why then? I mean, I agree with you. And it is so important for the future of our country that Donald J. Trump become the next president of the United States and get this incompetent out of the out of the White House. Why are Republicans, as we speak in the Senate, trying to make a deal on immigration when you've got a president who's made it clear he doesn't want to do anything to control the immigration system? I mean, I, again, I'm angry about that, too. There's a reason that they call Republicans the stupid party. They should basically say, we have passed a bill in the House, H.R. 2, that will deal with the immigration crisis. Sign that bill, Mr. President. Get uh, get uh, Chucky Schumer in the Senate to get that bill through. I I'm here to tell you, the Democrats have no intention whatsoever of controlling the border. So why negotiate with them? Exclamation point uh, behind everything you just said. So we've, we've got this, uh, not only the border, but now the second biggest issue uh, for the voters of America is, is the economy. Yeah. Inflation, jobs, economy as a whole. I, I Earlier, I don't know if you saw the clip I played of the president blaming grocery stores and yeah. businesses for yes. all of this. Uh, but it's just absolute insanity. It is his policies that are uh, the, the problem behind all of this. What is the disconnect and we've only got about 60 seconds. I wish we had longer. What is the disconnect between this administration and reality? Uh, I can tell you, I can answer that question very simply. Um, why was Donald Trump a success on the economy? In a lot of ways, it's because he was a businessman. He knew how things work in this country, how to employ people, how to meet a payroll. Do you think Joe Biden has ever done that in his whole life? I mean, come on, the guy's admitted him in politics for 40, 40 years of his life. He's never met a payroll. He's never run a business. And for him to then wag his finger at these businesses, it, it really is insulting, frankly. Why don't you get out there? That's the way all these Democrats are. They, they keep saying, oh, the profits are too high. Why don't you go out there and show you can make a profit? It ain't so easy to do it. These are businesses that are providing jobs, providing growth for our economy, about putting food on our table. I'm sick of him criticizing American businesses. We all are. We all are. And Stephen Moore, it is always an honor to see you and speak with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. We appreciate it so, so much. All right, uh, friends, just a reminder to sign a petition urging the House leadership to use all leverage they can to stop the flow of illegal immigration, drugs, trafficking, and so forth. Go to frcaction.org slash border or text the word border to 67742. We'll be back. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org.
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled a man's guide to standing for life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your Friday host, Jody Heiss, and an honor to have you with us. We are going to be joined here in just a few moments, if we can get him, Congressman Tim Burchett from Tennessee, to discuss everything from the latest breaking news that we have to a host of other things, and uh, we are trying to get him right now. But before he comes on, there are a couple of other items that we have been tracking for you uh, in recent days that I, I want to go back to because these are some critical issues. Uh, we have one of our Washington stand staff writers, Joshua Ar- Arnold, is uh, standing by right now. Joshua, thank you for joining us on the program. Uh, I, I want to reach out to you about what is happening in UNRWA. And we've, we've had a very important hearing this week on that. Can you bring us the latest on what's going on with that? UNRWA is the UN Relief and Works Agency. It's basically a UN agency that just operates in the Palestinian territories there in, in Gaza Strip and the West Bank or Judea and Samaria. Um, and it has a lot of connections with Hamas. Um, there were Israeli officials who shared intelligence with the United States that at least a dozen UNRWA employees actually participated in the October 7th terror attacks. And so 26 attorneys general from the states wrote a letter to congressional leaders asking them, let's cut off unrefunding because it turns out that America is actually one of the biggest funders of this organization that is supplying aid to Hamas and actually participating in their terrorist activities. Yeah, it's unbelievable that we would be giving an enormous amount of money to this UN agency that has... I mean, literally, by so doing, we are funding uh, what took place on October 7th in Israel. I'm glad you mentioned these AGs who were at the hearing this week. Uh, What kind of weight does their presence and their testimony provide to this whole issue? Well, I hope it provides more moral clarity on the issue. Um, Under the Trump administration, the U.S. completely cut off UNRWA funding um, because we recognize that they were helping terrorists and that U.S. law says that's a crime uh, to to aid and abet terrorists. Um, And then when the Biden administration took over, they reinstituted UNRWA funding and UNRWA has received over a billion dollars since 2021 from the Biden administration. Now it turns out that they have participated in these terror attacks. All right, so let's hit that again, the, the contrast between what the Trump administration did and what the Biden administration did. This is like a difference in night and day. 
That's right. Um, we've known for a long time that UNRWA was indoctrinating um, young Palestinian children in schools to hate Israel, um, to want to be terrorists. There's recently resurfaced video of, of Palestinian children saying that again. Um, we know that UNRWA has essentially admitted that these employees did actually participate in the terrorist attacks because they fired them. Um, but what Israel also showed was that they have evidence documenting that at least 1,200 UNRWA employees are um, linked to Hamas, you know, dozens and hundreds of them even, like actively work in the terrorist organization. And uh, the Biden administration doesn't appear to have a problem with this. Joshua Arnold, thank you so much for joining us and bringing us up to speed on these issues. I tell you, UNRWA is a massive thing that we at FRC have been following, and your, your writing and keeping us up to speed on that has been enormously helpful. Thank you for joining us. All right, we're going to switch back now. Uh, joining us by phone is Congressman uh, Tim Burchett from Tennessee. Congressman, thank you for joining us. Glad to have you. All right. I, I, we're still trying to get uh, Congressman Burchett on. As I mentioned yesterday, President Biden signed an executive order uh, that, that imposed financial and travel sanctions on Israeli West Bank settlers who were accused of violence against Palestinians. Uh, now, let that soak in. Literally, the president's executive order is going against Israeli civilians who this administration says is committing crimes against the Palestinians. Uh, this is going uh, the exact opposite of what is happening in reality. And, of course, as I mentioned a, a little while ago, this executive order came literally just hours before the president made a campaign stop in Michigan to the largest population of Arab Americans in the country. So many are saying this really is nothing but a political campaign stunt. Uh, again, we're going to try Congressman Burchett. Uh, thank you for joining us, Congressman. Good to see you. Hey, Jody. Thank you so much. You're exactly right. This is nothing more than a political stunt of the highest order. This this White House is so out of touch with what is going on. They reward bad dealings and they they celebrate them. And you know, where are the sanctions against the demonic activity? of the folks that came over from Gaza into Israel. You know, the, the pulling little kids out from under desk and shooting them, the things I saw, not something that you heard on the internet, but I saw the video. Literally, these, uh, these terrorists, which is what they are, um, were celebrating this, yelling Allah Akbar. This president has no moral compass. He is just, it's just despicable. And that's all you can say about it. Well, it really is. I think that uh, is the only explanation that you have for this. Uh, Congressman, let me let me throw this out to you. You may not have a whole lot of information, but we've only got about a minute left in this segment. Uh, it appears as though the United States has responded to the Islamic Revolutionary Guard targeting 85 targets. It looks like we did today uh, in Syria and Iraq against uh, Iranian-backed terrorists. Can you give us the latest of what you're hearing about this? Yeah, in fact, that is the case. It's over the uh, the three Americans that lost their lives needlessly, like the 13 that did in Afghanistan. It's just more of the same, uh, unfortunately. This is a reaction to our weak leadership. That's all it is. These people didn't do this under Donald Trump. They didn't, they didn't even step on the line. This is back to Obama when he said, you know, you step over this line, we're going to do something. Now we're, we're engaging in a huge, huge conflict and no telling what, where it will lead. Um, it's, it's election year. It's, it's, and it's hard to vote a president out during a war. And you can say what you want to. It reminds me of Bill Clinton bombing an aspirin factory. Nothing more than that. It, it should have never happened in the first place. Absolutely. Congressman Tim Burchett, I know you're on the road. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on Washington Watch. Always great to see you. All right, friends, coming up, we're going to look further into the issue of election integrity, specific, specifically ranked choice voting. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. All right, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to have you. We appreciate it. I'm your Friday host, Jody Heiss, and we welcome you aboard. All right, as we continue looking into the issue of election integrity, which we are doing now every Friday to keep you up to speed as to what's happening across the country, but today as we continue looking at this, obviously during this crucial election year, you may have noticed the left's recent push to replace normal elections, as we've always known them for years, with their new favorite fad, ranked choice voting. What, Despite what some of the advocates are claiming about ranked choice voting, I can assure you this will prove to be an absolute disaster as it relates to elections. And joining me now to explain more of this and to break it down so that we can all wrap our brains around it more effectively is Honest Elections Project Vice President Chad Ennis. Chad, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Congressman. Great to be here. Well, well, it's it's an honor to have you. And, you know, it's scary to me, everything I've read and studied and followed about this whole issue of ranked choice voting in some places of the country, it continues to build momentum. So why don't we start, uh, just how does ranked choice voting work? Uh, And, you know, why is this the left's new election fad? Well, it's the new election fad. It's because it's like when you're a kid and you're playing a game with someone and uh, you keep losing, so you change the rules so you, you can you can win. And that's what the, the point is with ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting is just fundamentally different than normal voting that we see we've been doing for you know our entire lives. In ranked choice voting, instead of voting for one candidate, uh, you rank them in order of preference. So if for example, if you were voting in the uh, presidential primary for Republicans, you might rank Donald Trump number one, Nikki Haley number two, Ron DeSantis number three, Chris Christie on down the line. And then what happens is you count the votes and whoever comes in last, if no one gets a majority, no one gets over 50 percent plus one, you go through and you start eliminating candidates. So you eliminate uh, the bottom get vote getter. Let's say that was Chris Christie. And then his second choice votes are redistributed uh, and they run the count again and again and again until someone gets 50 percent. It's really cumbersome to administer. It's really cumbersome to actually vote in. And it's just a bad idea. Well, and it's impossible to be transparent with all of that. I mean, there's so many moving targets 
And if a, if a, a voter, for example, as I understand it, does not vote but for one candidate, say they don't rank everyone, then that voter's vote is cast out because he didn't rank them. And so you have disenfranchisement uh, from voters. I mean, just the whole mechanics of this thing seems like a cumbersome, uh, non-transparent, uh, disenfranchising mess to me. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. That's exactly what we saw in Alaska and why Alaska now has a Democrat uh, for state representative. You had Sarah pa- – it was a three-way race with two Republicans, Sarah Palin, Nick Begich, who in the first round got uh, close to 60 percent of the vote. And it turns out a lot of the, the Begich voters didn't rank a second choice, didn't rank Sarah Palin second or – uh, the Democrat and ended up those votes getting thrown out about 11,000 votes ended up turning the race and the, the Democrat won in a, in a red state like Alaska now has a Democrat for a representative. Well, and like you said, that goes back to your initial comments. If you can't win the regular way, just uh, keep moving, changing the rules until you, you do win. I, this would also, uh, we already seem to have so many problems with delays in getting an answer for uh, election night. Uh, it seems to me this would just delay the outcome even longer. Is that a concern? Oh, it's a major concern. You've seen in Alaska, they took over two weeks to get results in. In the uh, New York City uh, council races and mayor, mayor races, those also took over two weeks. Problem is, one of the problems is you have to wait until all the votes get in before you can even start counting at all because you have to eliminate folks. So those mail ballots that take a little bit to get in, you have to wait for them all to get in because you can't start eliminating and going through that process of of redistributing votes until every single provisional ballot, mail ballot, all those things are are sitting in front of you. Uh, And not to mention the complexity of actually doing the count and doing the eliminations. Well, and the whole idea of voting and what our Constitution gives us in the law, it is one voter, one vote. And now we're talking multiple votes, an absolute confused system where people are pulled out, uh, voters are not counted. I, it's just an absolute mess. Well, listen, yeah. I, I, we're we're almost out of time. Let me your organization is going to be in Georgia for a big uh, event next week, Honest Elections, joining with other partners. Uh, tell us uh, to deal with this issue. Tell us about that real quickly. Yeah, we're having an event. We actually do these across the country since basically ranked choices voting is coming to you wherever you are. So we're doing these across the country. Our next one's in Georgia. And really what we do is explain ranked choice voting to folks. And really, once they hear about what it is, most people do not like it. Uh, the, where can people go to find out where that event, where, where's that going to be? Where can people find out? Our time that, running out. that event is outside of Atlanta, and uh, I believe your organization, we should have flyers up there. You can go to our website, yeah, FRC will be there. Uh, Okay. So uh, a lot of different organizations will be there. Yes, yep, sir. I'll be there speaking, a host of others. Uh, it'll be at the uh, Ben Robinson Community Center in Kennesaw on March the 9th. So, friends, we hope to see you there. Chad, thank you so much from Honest Elections Project for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, friends, coming up, the push for uh, sterilized surgeries for children and the outlets from parents continues. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org.
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We're grateful to have you on board with us. We appreciate it very much. I'm Jody Heiss, your Friday host, and glad to be with you. All right, before we get to our next guest, I want to just remind you of something and give you an action item that you can actually help us with. Uh, Many of you are aware that Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar was recorded the other day saying some very troubling remarks that frankly raised some serious concerns regarding her national allegiance. Now, granted, there is some controversy over exactly what was said because she was not speaking English. And so there's been some controversy over exactly what was said. But all the translations, all of them, appear to confirm that her allegiance and commitment is really in advancing the interests of a foreign nation, uh, namely Somalia, where she was born. Well, the U.S. House Ethics Committee should launch an investigation to determine exactly what was said and exactly what was meant by Representative Omar. And American citizens should have full confidence that their elected members are faithfully representing their interests and the interests of the United States, not the interests of some foreign power. So we have put together a petition that we're going to deliver, and it will add enormous weight to have your input and you signing that petition uh, for the House, U.S. House Ethics Committee to investigate Congresswoman Omar's concerning comments to jump onto that petition, which we encourage you to do. You have two options. You can go to frcaction.org slash Omar, and Omar is spelled just as it sounds, O-M-A-R. So frcaction.org slash Omar. Omar, or you can simply text the word Omar to the number 67742, and doing so will direct you uh, straight to that petition where you can sign on. And we encourage your uh, quick help, your speedy help on this, because we want to deliver that petition as quickly as possible. All right, concerning, uh, if, if we can put it this way, talking about concerning topics, we continue to see efforts across the country to literally erode parental rights. I I think it's probably fair to say that that is coming especially from the T portion, if you will, of the LGBT agenda. Well, earlier this week, uh, Tony Perkins, our president, discussed a disturbing case coming out of Montana where a teenager with gender confusion was literally taken from her home 
despite her parents' protests about that. And then we also saw recently in New York State, a school district there hid a young girl's social transition at school from her mother and then repeatedly lied to the mother about her child's social struggles and her deteriorating mental health. Now, these are just two of many, many examples that are taking place throughout the country. And in response, the Child and Parental Rights Campaign has recently released a powerful resource. This resource is for individuals and churches, whomever, so that they can fully understand both what is at stake and how to respond effectively to this uh, transgender issue that is attacking our families, our churches, uh, and biblical truth itself. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Bernadette Broyles. She is the president and the general counsel of the Child and Parental Rights Campaign. Bernadette, welcome to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Always great to see you, Jody. It's been too long. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, thank you so much. And look, I don't know of anyone who has been tracking this, staying on top of this as much as you have. You've been doing this for years and years, literally on the tip of the spear on this issue. And while we continue to see so many shocking occasions that are happening throughout the country, including the two that I just mentioned in Montana and New York State, uh, can you share with us uh, some of the recent cases that your law firm has filed in behalf of parents? Yeah, I'm sad to report that we have six cases right now, and we are about to file one more um, that have shockingly similar patterns. And the case that you just mentioned that was uh, filed by our ally, Lines Family Freedom, and the, the common theme is this. A child, more often than not, a, a girl in middle school or in high school, right around puberty or thereafter, begins to express gender confusion, some sort of displeasure with her sex or his sex, and um, an interest or a fascination with being treated as the opposite sex. And then immediately, the uh, school officials begin to affirm and endorse this imagined uh, identity and hide it from the parents. And uh, oftentimes lie to the parents or even over the objection of the parents, continue to socially transition the child to be treated as the opposite sex. So our case in Virginia where that, this happened, the young lady um, who is now the subject of a, of a piece of legislation, she left home, ran away, and was then sex trafficked in two, to, two or three different states after being endorsed and, and affirmed there in school, and the parents completely kept in the dark. And so these, these situations are leading to incredibly tragic situations. You know, Bernadette, one of the things that is, there are so many disturbing aspects of this whole issue. In the first place, how in the world are we even here dealing with these types of issues? But the reality is we are here. So in the midst of that reality, one of the huge concerns to me is the uh, evidently the attitude, the growing sentiment, if you will, that once a child expresses gender confusion, the government seems to think they know what's best for the child and not the parents. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? That is exactly the, the sentiment that we're seeing. In fact, that's what is at its core. And unfortunately, now in schools literally around the country, as a result of what the Biden administration and, pre and the Obama administration had done, some of the guidance that they had issued into schools, that is exactly what school officials are communicating and acting upon, and even now Child Protective Services, that if a, that if a parent wants to uphold biological reality for their child, biblical truth, biblical um the biblical created order as between the sexes, that more and more parents are being treated as if they are abusive of their child. And so schools officials are feeling that somehow they have the authority to override parental authority when a child expresses gender confusion. And increasingly beginning to see child protective services like the case that you've discussed, Jody, 
taking custody of a child. We ourselves had a, a case like that in our office where this happened in Red State, Arizona. This used to be Red State, Arizona. And the parents lost custody there as well. Very, very similar. Um, so this is something where our institutions have become ideologically captured. And that is why the church has, has no choice. It has to stand in the gap to uphold biological truth, fact, and to stand with parents that are otherwise sitting ducks for the wolves. Absolutely. You know, it is, um, it's biblical truth. It's scientific truth. It is just obvious. There are two genders. There's male and female. And, and now all of this confusion is just unbelievable. You've mentioned two things, or you've mentioned two things, but I, and I want to hit on both of them in, in your, your last answer there. But you uh, mentioned several times now the role that schools are having in all of this. Is it fair to say that schools are somehow now the driving force behind this gender confusion? Uh, what are you seeing that's happening in schools to promote this trans social contagion uh, that frankly is spreading like wildfire. And why is it spreading so? So Jody, where most often it comes to source is the internet and social media. But then the Venus system through which the poison that came up from social media every time, there's sometimes peer pressure or books, but one of these mediums then the, the Venus system that spreads it, has spread it like wildfire around our country, is the school system, particularly the public school system. And what, what thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of schools are now teaching their children is that they can be born in the wrong body. Well, what in the blazes does that mean to begin with? That's a metaphysical uh, you know, assertion. That's certainly not biological fact, but nevertheless, that is what they're, that's what they're uh, promoting to our children in schools and in ways that parents don't even understand or don't even know that it's going on. Uh, and then once they begin to, they will have secret closets in school. They can have, they can be changing the name at school. And then when they talk to the parents using their legal name and, and biological pronouns in order to deceive parents about what's happening at school. This is reprehensible. It's so, so frightening. All right, let's transition, Bernadette, in this conversation. I, the alarming reality of what's going on, uh, I think many people are becoming more and more aware of. Uh, but the question ultimately lands on what do we do about this? How do we stand in the gap for these children, for these parents, how do we make a difference? And your, your organization recently came out uh, with a, a response guide to counter all of this. Uh, and I am grateful that I uh, received one of these myself. But it's a powerful, powerful resource to help individuals, to help churches, to help other organizations uh, to, to, first of all, fully understand what's at stake, but then how to respond effectively to this issue. Tell us about the resource that you've put together. Absolutely. So, Jody, first of all, it starts with a, a fundamental message, and that's a message to our pastors, our faith leaders, and that is, wake up. Wake up. We are in an extra moment. There has been a decree of death issued against that which you hold dear, the people entrusted to you, and that which you hold dear, which is truth itself, biological and biblical truth itself. It is what's at stake, Jody, is, and those who are listening, pastors, leaders who are listening, what is at stake is far, far greater than just several hundred thousand or a million or whatever it is, some number is, of young people who are gender confused. And that's tragic enough because when they go down this path, they mutilate their bodies they are become sterilized by the treatments that they're given and their mental health absolutely descends. And they very often turn away from God. But if that is not alarming enough itself for you, understand that what is at stake is 
every other institution is captured. And so the goal is to force anyone or any entity that does not believe this ideology to be mar marginalized, silenced, and punished in one way or the other. Anyone who does not go with a government-sanctioned view of the human creation, contrary to the word of God, the goal is to silence and punish all of us. So do not think that you'll be safe behind the walls of your church if you do not speak out now against this thing in our culture and to stand with the young people, the parents and the families that are in the crosshairs. One last thing, Kelly, the nuclear family is being directly targeted by this agenda to be deconstructed and destroyed. So wake up and speak out now. Absolutely. Uh, and before we go, we've only got a couple of minutes left. I, I want you to uh, share where people can get this resource. But real quickly, uh, what do parents need to know when they're dealing with school officials? What do parents need to know uh, when they're dealing with child protective services, that type of thing? What would you say to parents who are facing this? So very quickly, parents need to understand you need to assert your parental authority before you lose it. You need to put in writing and communicate to school officials what they are that you are not in agreement with your child being treated as anything other than their biological sex. And in the event that your child begins to express any gender confusion, they are to immediately to contact you and put that in writing and put them on notice. With regards to child protective services, the moment that you suspect CPS will be involved, immediately find yourself an attorney. When CPS and, and remove your child from the toxic situation, I'm talking if it's a school, move out of that school. Because once CPS actually gets involved, it is a very difficult situation. Arm yourself with an attorney. And if they show up to your home without a warrant or without documentation that allows them to come in, then do not allow them into your home without the proper authority to do so without a warrant. And you get your attorney involved. And so let me just Bernadette. say one last thing we have left about, about the church, about churches. This guide will help arm churches with, a, with an understanding. Here's how to order it. Go ahead and click on that and, or the, the link. How do you protect your own church, your governing documents, your church policies, your religious liberties? How do you assert that? How do you minister to gender-confused young people? How do you minister to families who have gender-confused children? What does the word of God say? about these things? What are the medical information? What is happening in school, schools that is accurate? That is what's in this guide and problem. Bernadette Broyles, uh, thank you so much from Child and Parental Rights Campaign. Always great to talk with you. Thank you for your role in this critically important issue. And again, for those of you who are listening, uh, just reach out to us, TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org. You reach out to us and we will be sure to get that resource to you and uh, share how you can get it. Well, that's all we have for this week and for this day. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Keep the torch ablaze, my friends. God bless you. We'll see you next week on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.